Hunting Overtime is here to assist you with the knowledge and skills to help you be successful in the field. Established with the listener in mind, this podcast is dedicated to providing as much helpful information as possible to help you achieve your outdoor goals. From whitetail to elk and everything in between, I'm here to provide my insights and give you the ability to try them in the field. I'm your host, Brian Shoning. And this is Hunting Overtime. Hey, welcome back everybody to Hunting Overtime. I'm your host, Brian Shoning. Thank you all for joining in. Uh, It's been a little while again. I keep having too long gaps. I think it's been about a week and a half since I dished out the last one. But welcome back. Uh, Since I've talked to you guys last, I actually shot a turkey, which was sweet. So I didn't really go plan on it so hopefully you guys have been keeping up on our uh, instagram and stuff and i actually just am processing the video here as we speak to upload that to youtube so it's a pretty sweet video i can't wait to get it out to you guys but uh, i went up to my spot and i had full intent to be deer hunting and i got up there and i thought i had a great plan my intent was to go up there and shoot a doe i was i mean obviously i'd have shot a buck if it would have came in but Uh, I just really, at this point, I really need some meat in the freezer. I have no meat in my freezer from 2020. So we're running low on summer sausage and jerky and meat sticks and things like that. And so my intent was to go up there and shoot a doe. And if I actually had the opportunity, I was going to shoot a couple does. But so I got up there, I checked cameras and stuff like that. And I wasn't seeing a whole lot on camera. Uh, I got some pictures of mountain lions which was a little discouraging just because obviously with mountain lions around the deer are going to be more skittish and at times i've actually seen where they end up non-existent in the area that i hunt with those mountain lions so that worries me a little bit Uh, on that topic i do actually have a mountain lion tag for that area so i'm hoping that i can get up there and maybe have an opportunity here in nebraska It's a little bit different, though, because if you draw their mountain lion tag, you can't use dogs, which obviously makes it very hard. And not going to hunt a mountain lion without dogs is kind of a shot in the dark. But the plan is to kind of try to use calls, or if we get lucky enough and have snow on the ground, we can cut a track there and maybe track a little bit on foot. Obviously not ideal and very challenging. But it has been done up there, and it can be done. So I know in the past I've had a very high mountain lion uh, population density up there, which is not a good thing. But I guess if I were going into an area with a mountain lion tag, this would <laughs> I'd want to be going into an, an area that I know has a high population just because I know my probability of shooting one without, without dogs is much, much lower. So anyways, I plan on getting up there and doing that. And I actually have a picture of some pictures, multiple pictures. Actually, every mountain lion picture I have this year, except for two, uh, is of a collared cat, a cat that's collared by the game and park. So that'd be kind of a cool trophy to shoot, I guess, is shoot one. I mean, it'd be cool to shoot a mountain lion anyways, but to be able to shoot one with a collar on it, I think would be super sweet. Uh, just something that they track and they'd be able to then tell me the range and where all 
she's been, and definitely looks like a uh, female to me. Years ago, I had a picture of a collared cat with three cubs, so I assume it's probably the same cat. Um, so anyways, it'd be really cool to get on that cat, a cat that I've got history with, but to be honest with you, I'm going to, I would be willing to shoot about anything that came in. Um, but anyways, back to the deer hunting. They, uh, so I got those pictures. I didn't really get much for other pictures recent. I have some good buck pictures in a spot that I'm used to getting buck pictures in and nothing crazy big, but there was one or two that would have been pushing the shooter range for me and I actually got them down on a stand that I know they go there when the rut hits and I know they go there when it gets cold um my wife and I sat down in there and didn't see a deer and then it was actually the next no it was three days later they were in that bottom so that kind of stunk that I wasn't able to get on those deer with her but Again, it just confirmed my knowledge in the area that I know they are in that area and that they use that. It's a bottom is what it is. It's a just a bottom, a nice little funnel on the ridge. And I know they've used it, and I've always known they've used it. But seeing those bucks in there, it was a little bit later than they usually than I usually see them in there. But... This year's been a little bit different. It's been very warm, so I think everything's just hitting later. So I think that's probably why they were in there so late. But again, just kind of confirmed stuff that I already knew. Um, yeah, so since I didn't get very many pictures in some of the spots where I had cameras, I went ahead and I sat in an area that I had sat in the day after I hunted with my wife. So that would have been two or three weeks before this hunt that I'm talking to you about. But anyways, I had seen deer over on this edge of the field coming out. I'd seen them going in there. And so I thought I'd go set up over there, which I still feel was the right decision. But what ended up happening is some turkeys came in before I saw any deer. And I couldn't decide if I was going to shoot a turkey or not. I was, they were coming in. There's about 40 of them. And they were coming in, coming in, and I just couldn't make a decision. At first, I was, no, I'm not going to shoot one. No, I'm not going to shoot one. And I was, okay, yeah, I'm going to shoot one. I'm going to shoot one. Well, then they kind of went away for a little while. So I was like, all right, well, that made the, made the decision up for me. That's good. Don't have to worry about that. And, uh... The next thing you know, here they come back, and I actually, so I ended up having some hens at about five yards, and in Nebraska, you can actually shoot hens in the fall, but to me, that doesn't really make any sense. I think if if you're not allowed to shoot them in the spring, I don't want to shoot them in the fall either, and our, our turkey population has really boomed recently uh, in the last, I don't know, five to ten years. Uh, at least where I'm hunting, has really just exploded, which is amazing. And I want I want to keep that coming, so I'm not shooting any hens. And I guess that kind of 
that tactic's a little bit different than like if you were deer hunting. Obviously, when we're shooting, when we're hunting deer, we're trying to shoot some uh, some does because we want to thin that doe population. We want to keep our deer herd up, but we want to thin that doe population to be able to have a better ratio there. So uh, it's more like a a pheasant theory where you're not allowed to shoot hen pheasants. So I think the biggest thing is your turkey population is going to get hurt much more by a hard winter than your deer population is. So you're going to want to make sure that you're not, if you're really trying to build a turkey herd, because you're going to have some winter kill for sure with turkeys. So trying to limit that as much as possible by not taking any any heads in the fall is kind of my goal. Um, so anyways, I didn't, I had hens at five yards, didn't shoot them. And it, it was a big, big group of birds. Like I said about 40 probably. And it was, I, I don't know, I'd probably say 50, 50 Tom to hen ratio. And some of them, some of those hens could have been young jakes too. I couldn't really tell. I definitely didn't see any short, short beards. Most of the beards were five to eight inches long, I'd say. And out here in western Nebraska, we're shooting Marion birds for the most part. We got some hybrids too, but we definitely don't have any Easterns. Uh, but we shoot a lot of Merriams. And these things were having five to eight inch beards on a Marion. That's a pretty darn good bird. So what I ended up doing is I let those hens pluck around at five yards and I just sat there and again I didn't actually decide that I was going to shoot this bird until like it was go time I had so then the toms ended up coming in and I had them at about oh they were at 20 to 25 but they were behind some trees like I had no shot whatsoever I had a really good opening that they were heading towards and I was like, man, if they, I'm actually on Instagram doing Instagram stories. I'm like, if they come to this opening right here, then I'm, then I'm shooting. Well, the hens walked into that opening and then I was like, no, I'm not shooting. I'm not, I'm not going to mess up my deer hunt. I'm not going to mess up my deer hunt. And next thing you know, the toms start walking in there and it was just natural. I just turned around. I grabbed my bow and that he was actually walking broadside. He was about, he was about 21. Well, I know he was at 21 yards. I ranged him. He was at 21 yards walking broadside. I didn't really want to take a broadside shot, but I went ahead and drew and I was going to hold and wait until he was further along. If I had to, if I had to take a broadside shot, uh, cause I just really didn't want that. I was up in a tree stand elevated. I just was, I was preferring, I really wanted walking away, but I wouldn't have minded quartered to, um, just the broadside shot on that Turkey is you're, you're hitting a very small area and especially out of a tree stand, if you can get them quartered to or straight away or something like that, you're expanding your area so much and you're giving yourself the opportunity to go straight through a spine if you need to. Like there's a lot of stuff there that you can mess up as long as you, when you shoot, you're hitting good left and right. 
um, that walking away shot or quartered, like hard quartered two, just so you don't, like just enough where you're not shooting right through the head. And even if you shot through the head, it's not a big deal. But that, that's my favorite shot, especially out of a tree stand. And when I, I say that, like I've shot a lot of birds out of a tree stand. I've never shot a turkey out of a tree stand. But as I was processing what was happening there, I really wanted him to turn and go away. Um, so I was willing to wait a little while at full draw if I had to. But anyways, I drew back, and what ended up happening is he took about five steps and turned away. And I dropped, or I put my pin up just a hair because I knew he was he was at 21 and he turned and was walking away so I assumed he was around 23 actually I think I on my video and thinking back I think I might have said 22 but somewhere in the 22 to 23 range and just pulled through released and just sent it right through the goodies it was a, such a great shot I was so happy with it and late like so this was December 5th and having a shot like that on December 5th when I don't know things have been busy haven't been able to shoot outside a ton with the weather like I don't know I just feel like I don't shoot as much well I know I don't even feel like it I know I don't shoot as much as I uh, should or do in the off season or even early season when it gets to this time of year so being able to send that arrow right there was was awesome it was a good confidence booster felt really good about it and that turkey did a full out backflip and then he jumped up and did another 360 went 10 yards and died out right there so it was an awesome shot i got over there and just destroyed it just absolutely destroyed it so that was awesome uh and i was shooting i actually just like i didn't change anything i shot my rage hypodermic same thing i was going to shoot my deer with and yeah, I just messed it up. I I know you're either a rage lover or you're a rage hater, it seems like. And personally, I'm a rage lover. Um, I'm going to get uh, Tyler on here again and have him talk broadheads with you. He had kind of an inter interesting scenario, uh, not with a rage, but with a different brand. And so I, I'd like to hear from him. But I've actually used rage for my entire archery career and I don't intend to ever go away from it because if it's not broke I don't fix it so until I have a problem with them I am going to keep shooting them so for those of you who don't like rage that's fine I get it totally get it I would love to if you can send me an email tell me why I would love to hear your input so any of you out there like rage or dislike rage shoot me an email that's huntingovertime at gmail.com Shoot me an email. Tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear your input, and uh, I'll put some of that info on a podcast here coming up because I know that's a, a hot topic for people, especially during the summer as we're getting ready for the fall. So, I mean, we're looking five, six months, and we're going to be getting ready for that fall season, and people are really going to want to be hearing about broadheads. So if you got broadhead input, I would love to hear your broadhead input. So, again, shoot me that email. Um, so, anyways, I got back up to this turkey. And, well, I, back up. I actually finished hunting deer, but with those 40 turkeys that were, or I guess if I'm approximating, it'd be 39 turkeys now, uh, that were with this tom, they, if you've ever hunted turkeys in the fall, they, they're in big groups, right? And a tactic that I've heard of, I've never tried it, 
but I've heard of people going in and busting up the flock and then sitting down and calling and they all come back. Well, when I shot, the flock busted and I ended up having turkeys back behind me flying all over the place all night long, putting, clucking, yelping, like it was just loud all night long. So I don't think I got a real good feel for what I may have seen deer wise. I saw a handful of does at about 200 some yards. Um, but I think that shooting the turkey kind of messed me up, but I don't regret it. Not even for a split second. So I got over there and it's just a great Tom. It's got probably, I haven't actually, I should measure it. I haven't actually measured it. Seven to eight inch beard on him. Uh, beautiful full fan, super white tips, just a beautiful, beautiful Merriam turkey from Western Nebraska. And I mean, that's a trophy. <laughs> Merriams are hard to kill. Or at least in my experience, Merriam's up in up in my area that I hunt is they're tough to kill. It's pretty wide open, um, and there's a lot of public land, so they're hard to call in, in the spring. Um, so to shoot a big mature bird, I've shot a handful of jakes up there, but to shoot a good mature bird was absolutely awesome. And uh, the most special thing about that hunt that, and I don't know. It was literally the first thing after I released that arrow and knew that that turkey was dying. It was the very first thing that I thought of. And that was that my very first turkey that I ever killed with my bow, I killed in a ground blind with my grandpa Shoning and my uncle Jim. And December 5th, when I killed this turkey, would have been my grandpa's birthday. So being able to make that harvest on my grandpa's birthday for my second turkey ever killed with a bow after my first turkey was with him by my side was, I can't, I can't even tell you guys, that was so special to me. That was such a special moment. And I just, I know he was there. I know he was helping me out. Um, I know he was with me and excited. He had to be. Absolutely had to be. So, like, what are the odds of that that happening? They're not very high, I can tell you that much. So I know I had some help. So that was the most special. And that is exactly why that fan is, that fan and beard, they're going on my wall. I will be making, having photos right below that fan of my first turkey with him and this turkey it's I can't even explain it it's just awesome to me I think it's cool so I'm excited to get that fan done it's actually in the garage right now drying out and yeah it's gonna be pretty sweet it's full like I said just full tom super white tips just an amazing amazing looking bird so what else do I got going on well I, let's see I was waterfowl hunting last weekend had uh uh, a buddy, well, Chad, you've heard him on the podcast. He brought uh, a buddy, uh, an old friend of his and his dad, Wyatt and Howard, brought them out waterfowl hunting, and that was just, that was awesome. Uh, Wyatt's in the Navy, and being able to take somebody from the uh, 
armed forces is just, I don't know, it's important to me. They do so much for our country that I'm, unfortunately, like, I'm unwilling to do, but I am so, so grateful that there are people who are willing to do that for our country and fight for our country and go through all of those things. Um, so being able to take him on a waterfowl hunt was absolute least I could do, but unfortunately we, uh, didn't do very well. We shot one bird on one duck on Saturday and we didn't shoot very good. It was probably a huge part of it, <laughs> but we had a good time, had a great time actually. And there was no wind. It was warm. So that was tough when you're waterfowl hunting. That makes everything tough. But the, then on Sunday, I can't remember. I think we shot eight. Should have had probably 10. But a couple got away from us. So anyways, it was a great weekend. Uh, being able to have a father and son like that out there doing some waterfowl hunting. Have my buddy Chad out there waterfowl hunting. is an absolute great time to... The weather just didn't cooperate. It was a little too nice. So hopefully that weather turns for us. For those of you who are waterfowl hunters, we want pretty. You want pretty nasty weather, really. I mean, like a fifteen mile an hour wind is awesome. Cold is great. Uh, snow is even better. So some of the best waterfowl I've, hunting I've ever done. Actually, I can think of two scenarios. One time my dad and I were hunting in an essential blizzard and we just stood up the whole time and you, by the time they showed up, you were, it was time to shoot. And then another time it was snowing so hard that we actually had to quit because we were shooting birds and they were dropping and before you could get to them, they were covered up. So it was snowing and blowing so hard. So those are the nasty days, but that's absolutely some of the best, best bird hunting that there is. So. Tyler, I didn't run a camera that week, last weekend, but Tyler was running some cameras. I don't know if he got any good footage. They were in a different pit, but hopefully he got some decent footage that we can dish out to you. If not, we definitely have some coming. I actually will be off from now, off of work from right now that I'm talking to you guys, which is, what is today? December 18th. Um, I'll be off from now until... January 4th, so I got some time off here to do some waterfowl hunting. I'm hoping to get up and maybe get a poke at a, a mountain lion. Uh, I got a deer tag still, so thinking about running in, into some of those and seeing what I can get going. So, other than that, I think that's about all I got for you guys. Uh, stay tuned. I, like I said, I have a whole list of podcast stuff I want to get rolling here with some people. I have multiple people I want on. I got multiple topics and now uh, running into January, I'm hoping to have slightly more time uh, not trying to deer hunt and get all that stuff ready. There's just so much that goes into being ready to deer hunt and archery hunt and things like that, that that take up a lot of time. So we'll have less of that. I do still have a deer tag that goes until, well, I have one until December 31st. And then I have, that's an either sex tag. And then I have, um, a doe tag that goes till January 15th. And I can actually shoot that with a rifle starting January 1st. I think it is first or second. I can't remember one of those days it opens up. 
for 15 days there uh, where I can sh get up there and shoot it with a rifle. So I do plan on getting some more meat in the freezer, whether that's one or two, or I guess I could always buy another season's choice tag and shoot more does if I really wanted to. But so we'll figure that out. And while we're up there, I got a buddy that Eric that I've been working out with. Um, we talked, we, what we kind of, what we really want to do. And actually, as soon as I get done here, I'm going to look at some dates. We really want to get up there and call coyotes through the day and hopefully call in a mountain lion and then shoot a, shoot a deer in the evening. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out. Hopefully it works out and, uh, yeah, we'll keep you tuned in. We'll keep you updated. Stay tuned for some more podcasts coming up. I got some good topics coming up. I got to get some people on the phone and we'll get those rolling out a little more frequently for you. Like I said on the last time. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you haven't yet, check out our Instagram. That's at the seasons media. Check out our YouTube. That's the seasons media. And I'm actually still, I'm sitting here watching this video processing for of this turkey kill and it's going to be a sweet video. So make sure you check that out. Share our stuff. We love it. If you have any questions or podcast ideas, or if you'd actually yourself be interested in being on a podcast, contact me. That's huntingovertime at gmail.com. I would love to hear any of your stories. Uh, I love hearing from the average guy out there just grinding and working away. So again, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Wow, that was brutal. We will catch you on the next episode. Later, everybody.